Welcome to Unity of Tucson. This month we've been talking, the theme of the month has been, and so we've been talking about the power of will, which I like to modify and say it really is the power of willingness. To what degree are we willing? Do we have a willingness to allow God to be the forefront of everything, knowing that that is the inner source of all substance, all supply, all activity? Do we have a willingness to let that be our truth and let everything unfold perfectly as it will? Because if we do that, I do believe everything unfolds perfectly as it will because God cannot be anything other than perfection expressed. Now, does perfection always look like what we want it to look like? I see some shaking heads over here. (laughs) You're both shaking your head? You've had some surprises. Yeah. Anyone else have some surprises? Yeah. Doesn't mean that God is not expressing in its perfection. That's the hard news, right? It's like, oh, really? Yes. God is always expressing in its perfection because God is always receptive to that which we are thinking, believing, and feeling, and allowing to go into expression. And so God always, 100% of the time, expresses by means of us in exact accordance with what is in our thought, our belief, and our feeling space. And so if something is showing up that maybe feels a little challenging, you can't turn to God and say, God, why? I was going to say something else. (laughs) I'm like, don't say that, no. Although you could say that, if you know what I'm talking about. Why? You know, we can't rail. The opportunity when something seems to go awry that we have is to turn the attention to the inner life once again and focus on allowing that inner life to be the point of view that it is, which is a point of view of love. For God is always flowing forth as love. And God loves the expression of itself so much that it does not judge what is created. And so we create some awful stuff sometimes. Still perfect. God in its perfection flowing forth. And so part of the work that we do in making spirituality and the practice practice of spirituality a practical path is that we are looking to weight ourselves on the side of the constructive more and more and more so that we have less instance fewer instances of challenge. And this journey sometimes invites us to work throughout, work, work, work a paradox in our lives. And the paradox is this, attachment and detachment, right? We want to feel attached. We want to feel a part of, and sometimes it's, we've got to say, nope, I'm, allow, I'm just going to allow, and I'm going to detach from my perception of the way things should be. So, you know, attachment, of course, means that it's, we're fastened to something. And we are always fastened to God as God, no matter what, because we can never be separate from God. So, can we just accept that that's the truth? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and the rest of you? <laughs> 
and they're thinking about it. And that's okay. It's good to think about these things. That's why we're here, right? We're going to think about these things. So let us, uh, let us just acknowledge that we can never not be attached to God as God from the point of view of being God. And if you get uncomfortable, because I do say it, and people do get uncomfortable when I say, we must begin to step forth and say, I am God. I am that power. I am that presence. Because there can be nothing separate from the infinite. Charles Fillmore, in an unpublished, and I've been using this a lot this week, so some of you will have already heard this uh, this week. I said it, I think, in both classes. Uh, Charles Fillmore, and I didn't write it in my notes, so I'm going to be paraphrasing it. In an unpublished transcript of a talk he gave. He said, we speak of God in the third person, God as something out there. And then we come to this realization of speaking about God in the second person, you know? And that's how we tend to speak about God, in the second person. God is you. God is something. God is that aspect of me, but what else? But, but then we kind of have this sense of separation that the rest of me is not this God essence, right? And he says in this talk, there, the day is coming when we shall speak of God in the first person. What he is saying is we, there is a day when we shall collectively understand God as I am and acknowledge that the wholeness of our being is God. So we can never, ever, ever, ever be detached from God because we are God. How do you feel about that? It's a rhetorical question. <laughs> I mean, I love the applause, right? But there are going to be people, I guarantee you, there are people out there who are squirming in their seats going, oh, no, 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 I can't admit that I'm God. What was that? Give them time. If you're around me enough, you know that I'm going to convince you that you are God. <laughs> so here's the thing. We teach, in many ways, both attachment and detachment. Attachment to the understanding. Remember who you are. I am the power. I am the presence. I am the light, and I am the life. That is true for each and every one of us, and I think that we should acknowledge this and state this out loud as frequently as possible. But also, detach. Detach from the things. To believe that there is power in things. There is no power in the thing. There is only the power we give to the thing consciously. So we're teaching both attachment and detachment. The power which made the thing is not the thing itself, and yet it is the thing itself. And that's where it gets so confusing, because I'm like, the wholeness of God is in everything. God is, God is in the stuff that we perceive as not having livingness, and yet everything has livingness. Everything, because at the core, everything is energy. That energy is God. And energy is vitally expressing itself through all creation. There is no exception to this. Because if there were an exception to this, then God would be finite. And we don't teach that God is finite. Does anyone believe that God is finite? Anyone? Well, that's good. That's a good start. <laughs> now, to what degree do you believe you are somehow separate from? And that's a rhetorical question. I don't want to see any hands or have any answers. Because it's an opportunity for reflection. The only path to discord in this thing called life is a belief in separation. That's it. Because when we feel separated, when we sense separation, when we think we are separated, that gives room for discord and disharmony to unfold in the expression and experience of life. Rough, huh? 
I want to talk a little bit more about detachment. Because I love the concept of detachment. If I know who I am, then I can actually detach from the things that I think are certain. Deepak Chopra said, or wrote, in detachment, in detachment lies the wisdom of uncertainty. In the wisdom of uncertainty lies the freedom from our past, from the known, from the prison of past conditioning. In understanding who you are, I believe, I believe, you get to decide what you believe. Remember I said, you may hear something you don't believe. That's okay. I believe that in the practice of detachment, we let go of all the things that convince us that we are separate. But that means letting go of a lot of stuff that we are lugging into this present moment from the past. Gotta let it go. The very first time I spoke in here, I spoke, you know, some of you may recall, I brought this bag and I, and I, invited, the, I invited the people who were here. They set up a table. And I said, I just want you to put books on the table, right? And I had this bag and I said, you know, part of what happens is sometimes we start to accumulate knowledge and we start, and I start taking the books, you know, like Lessons in Truth and, um, you know, the Revealing Word and the Metaphysical Bible Dictionary, which is a really heavy one. <laughs> It's really heavy. And then, you know, and, and I just kept piling, and Deepak Chopra, and let's talk about, oh, we're going to put some Wayne Dyer in there, and uh, we're going to put some, uh, oh, um, uh, who is that guy? Uh, 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 what's his name? We're going to put some of what's his name in there. Eckhart Tolle, that's the, I was trying to remember Eckhart Tolle. So put some Eckhart Tolle in there, right? And we start to weigh ourselves down. It's like, oh, we're going to carry this bag around with us. Okay. And it works, right? It works. You read all of this stuff and say, oh, it's, this is working. It's working for me. And it continues to work. And you're like, okay, it's really working for me. But it's also exhausting to think about this stuff all the time. And so at some point, we need to detach from the intellect and allow ourselves to root in the heart. And detaching from the intellect sometimes means putting the bag down to know that what is required for the flow of our lives is fully present because we've ingrained it to such a degree that we don't need to carry the bag around anymore. So we detach from that, and we attach to an allowing in this present moment. I spoke of Thomas Troward a little bit last week and you know, explained that Thomas Troward is a little bit later in the New Thought movement. He really came to prominence in the New Thought movement in... Well, 1914 was his big kind of splash into the uh, world of new thought as he offered his Edinburgh lectures. And he, one of the things that he offered is this, principle is not bound by precedent. Are you all going, what does that mean? I'm going to explain it to you. Principle is God. Principle is love. Principle is the infinite power and presence that we call God. We call it by many names. And I will remind you that even though we attach words to it, it is beyond language. So it is ineffable. But we're going to call it principle right now. Principle is not bound by precedent, which means there is nothing in the past which has any bearing on what principle is expressing as right in this moment. But boy, as individualized beings of the one, we love to bring that stuff from the past right into our present, don't we? 
Who taught you that that was a requirement? And then really, because we're taught that that's a requirement. It's like, oh, I must look to the past and I must feel the nostalgia for the way things were once upon a time. It takes us out of present moment living. And today I want to encourage present moment living more and more and more. So this final Sunday of the power of will, because we step into another power next week, this final Sunday of the power of will, I want to invite us all to acknowledge and consider this question. How quick are we to give up our willingness to remember who we are and to live accordingly? How quick are we to do that? This manner of giving up is usually defined by the relationship of our circumstances in life. We look to the circumstances of our life and we believe that those things are real. And they're not. They're simply the outflow of an inflow. And so if you want to change the outflow, what must be changed is the inflow. We make those things out there determinants of what the inflow is going to be for what our lives will be. And our work is to know who we are to such a degree that it doesn't matter what's out there. We are in charge of the flow of our lives. We do not give up to the things out there ever. Let me ask you this. How many times, and this is, again, most of my questions are rhetorical. I'll let you know if I want, to raise, if I want you to raise hands or shout back at me. I usually don't want you to shout back at me. <laughs> But just consider for yourself, how many times in your life have you decided not to do something because of considerations like, oh, it's too late for me to do that, or it's too soon for me to do that, I'm not ready, right? Or it's too hard. Are we ready for this one? It's too easy, which means there must be a catch. Usually that's what goes through our minds. So, we have all of these twos in our life. It's too hard, it's too easy, it's too late, it's too soon. Those are just excuses for not actually expressing God in its fullness here and now. If there is a desire in you, it is in you, it is expressing through you because that's your ISP at work. What the heck does he mean by that? Your ISP at work. Well, I'm going to tell you because I do not mean your internet service provider. <laughs> Although, there's kind of a similarity in the way it works. So, on the internet, does, is there anyone who uses the internet here? <laughs> on the internet, you usually have a connection to the whole World Wide Web through an ISP, an internet service provider, right? And so when you want to tap in and find something, you go onto your computer, which is connected to the whole. Sounding familiar? You go on your computer, which is connected to the whole. You type in to some search engine, Google. And you're, I mean, who doesn't use Google? I mean, I think if you're using Bing, I want to introduce you to Google. So, <laughs> which I also like to call Godgle because it knows everything. So you go on, you type in some phrase or something that you're looking for, and what happens is a signal is sent and some information is returned. Well, you're like an ISP. Many of us 
each day do this automatically, not even considering how it works. And, and here's the thing. Do we ever question that we will have something returned to us when we type something into Google? We never question it, right? We just assume that it's going to return something. And so we, find, we never find ourselves saying to the internet, oh, it's too late, it's too soon, it's too easy, it's too hard. We never say that to the internet. The internet just does, right? So why do we do this with our internal ISP, which I'm going to refer to as our infinite source provider? <laughs> We're all walking around with access to an ISP, the infinite source provider, and it is always there wanting to provide to you, through you, as you, the good. It never wants to return anything that is not purely good and loving. Can you get behind that notion? Because the only, yeah, and here's the thing. The only reason that it might show up as something that is not purely good or loving is because we've gotten in the way and we've mucked it up somehow. And I did say muck with an M. <laughs> the irreverent reverend. <laughs> If there is a desire in us, and I believe there is desire in us, is there anyone who is here without desire of some sort? If there is a desire in us, and I believe that there is desire in all of us, our ISP is able to provide all that is required for the fulfillment of that desire. And here's why. Because if that desire was not in us, its fulfillment could not be present. If the desire is in us, it is because the possibility of fulfillment is present. Because that's God's nature. It's always working no matter what. And so here's the problem that we run into. We are oftentimes putting really bad information into that search engine, and we are being returned with really bad stuff. What does that mean? If you look up the wrong things, you're going to get the wrong results. But we do so much of this below the level of awareness. You've heard me talk in the past about the nature of mind, right? The nature of mind. So let's say that this circle that I'm drawing in the air with my hands is the wholeness of mind, your expression and action in mind. This is you, right? And we have an awareness of an aspect of mind. We call it the conscious mind. And then we have an aspect of mind that we call the subconscious mind. What do you think the percentages are in relationship to conscious mind and subconscious mind? Well, I have heard that we are aware, we are conscious of about 10% of what's happening in our mind. Anyone, ever, anyone else ever hear that? Now, how they quantify that, I'm not really sure, but I'm just going to go with it for today because here's what I know. I do have an awareness of what's happening in my mind, and there's a lot that I realize I don't know. I don't know what I don't know. So there's a lot that's happening below the level of awareness in subconscious mind. So if there's 10% that is conscious and 90% that is subconscious, but 100% is creating our lives... 90% of our lives are being created below the level of awareness. The spiritual path is really firmly rooted in drawing up into awareness that which is below the level of awareness. So that in awareness, we are positioned in a place of power to be able to do something about it. So if there are things in your life that don't feel so good, just know that they may have been the result and are likely the result of some aspect of subconscious mind flowing forth into action 
and that you get to do something about it because the awareness comes from realizing that things have been mucked up. You get to do something about it, but that's where the work comes in. That's where the work comes in. Now, the work doesn't have to be hard. Because I know every time I go, it's like, it's work until it's not. Right, William? (laughs) That's a running joke here if you're new to this community. I always go to William for the answer to that question. Um, It is work until it's not. But I am going to stop affirming that the work is hard because it's not hard. It doesn't have to be hard. The work is rooted in acknowledging a loving presence that is the core of who you are. Remember who you are. The other two aspects of our mission statement, love only and forgive everything, are really easy when you remember who you are. So, there are some steps to apply this practically, this construct. As you become aware of what is happening in your life that may not feel so good. Step one, release any concept of how things should be. Release any concept or construct in mind of the way you think things should be. Step two, do not force solutions to perceived problems. Don't get in there and try to manipulate and coerce. Don't force the solution to a perceived problem. Because here's the thing, those problems or those things we perceive as problems, are usually the outflow of some idea that we've been lugging into our present from our past. So don't try to enforce the change. Find comfort in uncertainty. That's the third step. And so what that means is the outflow will automatically address itself for our highest good if we let go of the things we think we know but it requires living in a little bit of uncertainty. And how comfortable are you with that? Most people are not comfortable living in uncertainty. And so part of the path is to allow ourselves to find a level of comfort with uncertainty. It takes practice. But what I want you to know is that if that is the path you are on, this is a place where you can explore that opportunity and know that you are exploring it in a loving, supportive, constructive, and compassionate space. Part of the excitement, I think, of living may be bound, or sorry, not bound. Part of the excitement of this thing called living may be found, that's the word I want to use, may be found in uncertainty. It's like, oh, anticipation, I'm excited about what I don't know, right? and allowing ourselves a willingness to allow the flow unhindered, to allow the flow without any consideration of what we think it should be from the past. There's excitement in that. We are truly writing at every moment the blank pages of our lives. That's what's happening. So I invite you to consider, are you writing a historical revision of what has been Or are you allowing yourself to write a reflection of what can be? Are you writing the next chapter or are you rewriting the previous chapter? 
Will you let the power of your ISP, your infinite source provider, be limited based on outdated thoughts and ideas? Or are you willing to step into what is next and what is new for you? There is a reason it is called new thought. It's based in ancient wisdom, but the new that is expressing itself by means of you at all times. You are the new in new thought because you are constantly thinking something new all the time, no matter what. You get to decide to write the code of your life. And your infinite source provider will return exactly what is necessary to support your magnificence. Peace and blessings. You are magnificent. So those of you who are new to this community, the other thing that I do is I give homework every week. And the homework this week is, is to identify for yourself, and I think we all have this because I can look at things in my life. I mean, I'm pretty, I feel pretty fulfilled in many aspects of my life. But identify for yourself a desire that you have been sitting on, that has gone unfulfilled. Identify a desire and let go of any consideration that it is too late, too early, too hard, too easy. Let go of all of those excuses and take at least one action this week. I'm not asking you to accomplish the whole thing. I just want you to take one action this week towards the fulfillment of that desire. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.